Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Dan Duvall. Dan's a writer, a comedian. He's also the director of the Comedy Here Often podcast network that we're both currently on. Uh, It's a great episode about recovery and addiction, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Please uh, like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. All of that always helps. And check me out on Instagram at NoorKidWai. But let's get to this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Dan Duvall. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. Today I'm here with my man, Dan Duvall. Dan, thanks for joining me, it's my no man. no problem, dude. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I, hey, I'm happy to be here. Uh, you're here as well. Uh, my, so my podcast, as you know, because you started the uh, Comedy Here Often podcast network, uh, my podcast is a lot about self-transformation. I love to see how people change themselves for the better. And uh, you have a story about addiction and recovery, which is probably one of the biggest transformations somebody can make. Um, and now you're three years sober. Am I yeah, correct? Yeah, man. That? I'm uh, three years clean and sober from all drugs and alcohol as of like two weeks ago. Oh man, congrats. First was the day I decided to stop being a trash pile. <laughs> trash pile. <laughs> uh, well, hey man, uh, and quitting right before Christmas, that must have been a huge yeah, step. Yeah, this is a thing that actually comes up often um, when, when like my, my sobriety day comes up to people are like, wow, how'd you quit around Christmas? But the, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is that like, the end comes when the end comes, and it doesn't really matter what time of year it was. It was just the end of the line. It just needed to stop. <laughs> so it didn't really – it, was, it yeah. was like, you know, in order to, like, quit, you really quit that stuff in, in a way when you're at a place where I was at, you kind of have to, like – you have to make a decision. It's not like a – it's a diving off of the dock into the lake situation. It's not like a – like, I tried for a bunch of years to, to stop on my own by like trying to control like how many days a week I drink or maybe I'll only drink like maybe I'll only drink beer and not drink hard alcohol no more shots like man I, I tried I'd, like creating schedules I tried replacement therapy all sorts of stuff you know just trying it on my own and none of it worked because I was never really fully committed because I never really fully admitted that I had the issue that I had, I knew I had an issue, but I didn't know. I wasn't not that I didn't know. It's that I was I was I wasn't willing to admit that I had as large a problem as I did. So in that sense, I was kind of just like putting one foot in the water. You know what I mean? Like I'm never fully committing to it. And so when I got to a place <clears throat> where I had no more, there were no more lies for me to tell myself. When I finally, mm-hmm. when I finally hit that bottom, that that last bottom, because you can believe me, you can hit rock bottom and find a fucking basement. Trust me, you can. You can <laughs> <you gotta be laughs> <hand and laughs> locate a shovel and then dig out some more of the of the dirt floor. <laughs> you can find your way into the sewer pretty pretty easily, and I did it a lot of times. The sub basement of the sewer, if you will. So. Um, oh damn. Yeah, when I finally hit that place at that bottom, there was just nowhere else to go, and I I finally. 
um, ask for help in a significant way. So, so it didn't really like Christmas. Yeah, it was Christmas and everything, but man, the desperation that was there at that time. I mean, I could have been, I could have been at Mardi Gras, you know, with an armful of beads. <laughs> still would have been. I still, I, if I was at that level of desperation, it wouldn't have mattered, man. It was, it was just time. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Probably doesn't yeah. make it, probably didn't, probably doesn't make it easier. That's for sure. I feel like there's no good time to quit. Sure, like you quit in January and it's like, oh, but the Super Bowl is coming up. Like, there's always something, you know. What I mean? <laughs> Like, yeah, 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 there's always an event. For Easter, bro. Come on, <laughs> it's like Friday it's night's always, coming. Like, what are you talking it's about? Something. It's always, it's it, fucking always somebody's birthday. It's always someone's birthday. Do you know what I mean? Like, I used to, I used to joke about yeah. this. I used to drink. It's like I used to joke about how I wish I could take a significant amount of time away from partying, but. It's always someone's birthday. I used to make this joke all the time. It was like a so. The, so then you say that as you're ordering drinks. Well, might as well not. It's going to be someone's. You know what I mean? Like it's built in. It's built in. Your reasons to drink and party are built into your own narrative that you tell your that. that sorry, I should say. I don't want to say anyone else. Like that. That narrative is built into to my own uh, experience. That narrative of like wanting to like needing to drink. I'm lying to myself. I'm making up excuses in. In me talking about quitting, I'm already building in a relapse. Do you know what I mean? I say, I say the word relapse, yeah. but like, um, I know that's like a recovery term and a term people talk about when they've. But I mean, if I think about it, like it's more than a word that gets used for people who are in recovery. Because I would like quit, I'd swear off booze in the morning, and then I'd relapse by 4 p.m. Do you know what I mean? Or like by eight the next night. So I mean, if that's not a relapse, like I don't know. If you're if you're trying to stop. If I'm trying to stop drinking and then I fail at it, to me that's a relapse. It's like you, know, you don't have yeah. to be you don't have no, to be I, in rehab to relapse. You know what I mean? Which is a yeah, a sick album name. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Uh, maybe actually let's uh, let me and my audience know a yeah, little bit about yourself, and then we'll go a little bit deeper into um, yeah, like uh, your whole process of recovery. Um, yeah, tell uh, tell them uh, where you're from, uh, what you're about, and all of that stuff. Maybe a little quick bio yeah, on sure, you. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I, I have kind of a, a, a bit of a fun story. Um, I'm from Victoria, uh, BC, and I probably in about 2009, I want to say, um, I was at a party, drunk as shit, and uh, at the time I had been like posting – I posted a lot of funny statuses on Facebook. Remember when it said "is" and you had to have "is" at the front of your at the front of your status? Like a lot of those, like mm-hmm. I like to play with that a lot. And then uh, this girl was talking to me at this party. Her name was Susan Colville, and we went to high school together. It was like a dumb high school party. And she was like, "You should start a Twitter." And I was like, "I'm not going to start Twitter. That's stupid. That's just for like." I I thought at the time that Twitter was just like a thing where you're like, "I'm I'm getting groceries today." Tweet like that. I'm like, "Who gives a shit? No one cares." But I, anyway, I, so I, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. But then I fast forward a few months later, um, I was watching SportsCenter and I decided I was going to start a Twitter account to follow hockey analysts to get an edge on my fantasy hockey leagues. Twitter was new. No one I knew had it, really. It was not, not really anyone I knew had it or used it. So I signed up and I was like, haha, you know, I'm going to get the edge. And, well, I, I quickly realized that, like, people, it was just a different thing than I thought it was. And people were using it to, like, write jokes on there. And I was like, oh, I can do this. This is fun. And I started writing jokes on Twitter. And 
you know, the long and short of it is um, my account kind of blew up and I ended up getting a ton of followers and it turned into this whole thing. And I really started treating it like, like, a, like a job. Like I was writing like, I don't know, like five to 10 jokes a day and like drafting them and they put, and then like, you know, really word like working on the exact wording of how I wanted them. And, you know, I really treated it like a, I treated it like a nine to five. I took it really seriously. I was like, I was, you know, you might even say uh, that I was addicted to it. <laughs> I definitely treated it the same way that I might've treated drugs and alcohol. Like I put it before anything else. Um, and, but it, but it did pay off for me. It changed my whole life. So I, I ended up like, um, I was working at the time in a pharmacy at Shoppers Drug Mart. I was a pharmacy tech, and and I, I ended up getting hired to do some. It, it all sort of panned out. Like I, I got I got brought on to write on a web series with this guy Mark Sayer, uh, who's now my writing partner, and he is a uh, movie producer, a f- film producer, and a director. He's done some great work. Uh, Point Defiance and. Doe. He's got some really great films that you should check out. But um, yeah, him and uh, another comedian, Amber Tozer, they uh, had this web series called Knit Twits, and I'd never written anything before. And and what they were doing was taking tweets and turning them into sketches, and they were really high quality and very very good. The like actual actors people heard of and stuff. And I know the first thing I ever wrote was uh, based off this tweet that said, uh, "For us, Christmas is when Dad." drinks a bottle of wild turkey, and cries while playing the acoustic guitar. We had Christmas twice last week. I wrote that into a whole sketch, and uh, Stacey Orsano from um, Friday Night Lights was in it. It was really cool, man. It was like the first thing I ever wrote. And I'm like, I didn't get paid for it because it was a web series, and we were just trying to make a thing, right, together. But it was really cool, and it opened up this whole thing, and I ended up doing a couple more with them. And then I got, I ended up writing for uh, a couple of websites, just building up a portfolio like for the impersonals and jukeleft.com, which is like the onion, but for sports. And um, actually the guy who was running Juke Left is now the editor, at, uh, the chief editor chief at uh, clickhole.com. Uh, Steve Etheridge is a super funny guy. So I, I he kind of gave me a break as well. So I was doing some work with him and yeah, man, it was really cool. I started writing a bunch of stuff and then I got hired uh, to do some um, freelance copywriting for uh, uh, White and Kennedy in New York and I started writing like um, copy for commercials. I did one for Stride Gum and The Guardian and Carl's Jr. Heineken uh, Halls. One of my favorite things is uh, they asked me when I was doing this Halls campaign uh, this is my weirdest flex. I, I really enjoy telling people this. They they asked me to write out a whole list of like like two pages of like just quick little one line like words of encouragement. And so I sent them that, not knowing what it was for. And what it turns out is, if you what they were for is if you open up a halls on the wrapper, it has all these little words of encouragement. I wrote so I wrote. That. I wrote oh, you can't even. Like the dumbest, weirdest. <laughs> Flex ever. I didn't even know I was writing them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the weirdest like fortune yeah, cookie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you'll open it up and it'll be like, "You can do it." And it's like it's pretty funny. Um, so that's a whole thing. And yeah, man, it, it, I ended up, uh, I ended up working in advertising. I worked for a couple of agencies in Vancouver, a couple of bigger agencies like Cassette, and uh, as was one of them. They're they're they do awesome work. I worked with them for a while, and then um, yeah, I ended up getting asked to do like an animated short for uh, a larger show on Cartoon Network Canada. And um, 
adult swim called Night Sweats, made by two really funny guys in Vancouver, Bart Batchelor and Chris Nielsen. Um, actually, comedian Aaron Reed was on that show as well. He's a Vancouver guy. It was super funny. He had a segment called Art Corner. But I wrote, uh, created, wrote, and directed an, uh, an animated short called Giraffe Cops that was part of it. It was an animated show. So I ended up doing that. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest my my I did that for a while. We did it was only five episodes, but it was a really cool experience, really awesome. I got I learned to like direct voice actors and all sorts of cool shit. So yeah, we did that, and then um, yeah, I think the biggest thing though is starting to I finally started to do stand up, and it was because I started that Twitter account, and I I just accidentally prepped for stand up for like ten years. I wrote like I think that at the time I had like twelve thousand jokes I'd written on. Twitter. So when I oh, finally wow. decided to uh, stop being such a coward and do stand-up comedy, I already had I already had all these jokes written, so I could take them and be like, that would work, that would work, that would work, and expand them. So I already had like this, the, like you know, a lot of the hardest part of, of writing stand of doing stand-up. A lot of it's writing good jokes is one of the hardest parts, and I kind of kind of already done that. So yeah, when I started doing it, I, I really enjoyed it. But so I'm trying to do all this stuff, you know. Um, but it was difficult because I could never really take full advantage of what I was doing. I was never fully present because I was so drunk all the time. I was drunk and I was, I was using drugs mm. and I was like just a mess of a person. Like I couldn't really, I had so many awesome opportunities. Like I got asked to do um, a writing packet to be a staff writer on Late Night with Seth Meyers. <clears throat> um, I didn't get the job. I maybe might have got it if I, I, I was really new. I, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I also was just like in such a place where Image was so important to me at that time. I was so firmly in active addiction that being perceived as like a cool guy because of these opportunities was so much more important to me than actually doing the thing that like, mm. you know, I got asked to do the packet and then I spent a week drinking and telling people about it before I actually even did the thing. And so, you know, looking back, it's like, that's largely what my life was like. And it was driven from such a place of fear of being like afraid of what other people, putting my value on what other people thought about me and not, I didn't do anything because I wanted to do it. You know what I mean? Like I was good at writing, writing jokes and I was good at comedy and stuff, but I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. I was doing it to gain, um, value from, from Pete, from other people rather than because, you know, Hey, I love this thing. So, yeah, man, and mm -hmm. it went on. There were other things, too. Like, we, we, I, I'm with another a filmmaker in Vancouver, uh, Lori McGinnis. We made a documentary called Funny Tweets that is now on Crave. Um, and, and I fumbled my way through that, too. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing, and I, I was never fully present. And it's kind of cool because we ended up getting, like, some really awesome people to be in the movie. Um it, it, we had like Andy Richter agreed to do it, who's the kindest, nicest man. It was so awesome that he let us do that. And Alex Salkin from Family Guy and Matt Selman from The Simpsons, Danny Zucker from um, Modern Family all did the film. And it was really awesome meeting them and it was really cool. And I've stayed in contact with a lot of those people. But again, at the time, like I watched that, I watched that documentary that was hard for me to watch. And first of all, I'm like 70 pounds bigger than I am right now. And I'm like literally intoxicated in my injuries. So it's really, it's difficult for me to watch. Oh, I, was, wow. I know we made this really cool thing and I have these moments and it's not like a wash or anything by any means, but I definitely was not as present for it as like, as I would have liked to have been. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, like, like I'm just so much more present for my my own life now. So that I guess that's that's a little bit of my background, but <clears throat> um, or a lot of bit of my background, <laughs> but, but 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 everything changed about. So I've been working I've been working in comedy in one form or another for about I guess ten years, but I I've, it's really only become focused and like and where it is now because of uh, my sobriety and like the changes I've made. And, and mostly I equate that to like being present for my own life and, and having my motives in check and doing things because I, because I want to do that. So, yeah. I, I love how you say that, uh, being present as well, because, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think something that's so huge in like any of these kind of, uh, things like, uh, I know with me, like, I, I used to kind of, like, drink a lot, too, with the uh, uh, comedy shows Ooh. as well. And I think I was doing it for more of, like, a fear thing. Like, I always got, an, like, very anxious before going on stage. So I just kind of learned to, like, numb that with alcohol. And um, you're right. It, it takes away from your presence. And it also takes away from you really enjoying the experience of, like, what you're doing. Because, like, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Yes. Like, we're yeah. comedian, you know, like we're making something that's funny. So like you should be there and enjoying it and being as present as possible. And alcohol takes it away. It may numb the pain. It may, um, sometimes because it numbs the pain, you might like sometimes even think like, Oh, this makes me funnier when like, that's, it's just a complete illusion. Like, um, when you can learn to be present and like be there with the audience, you're a much better comedian and you're a much better artist or creator. Right. Well, here's the, I mean, what, what we hear a lot in recovery is the opposite of addiction is connection. Because when you're, when you're in active addiction, and I I mean, when I say active addiction, I I mean, we should get into this too, but I, I mean, um, not so much, being high or drunk i mean like the mental illness side of the obsession of like i think that's what a lot of people don't understand is that addiction is is it's an obsessive compulsive disorder uh is is the best way i can describe it um but the opposite so you're never really like when you're when you're like in that active addiction when you're in that obsession and i'm sure anybody can relate to this too because to me i believe that addiction is like largely the human condition but like under a microscope like like it's i i I do think anybody can relate i think what they don't i think what non-addicts um might not understand is that it's like yeah we're feeling the same things but for me it's like fucking it's like at a like a higher vibration you know like that obsession is like we don't we don't have that piece to like break that obsession we're not born with that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so so when i'm in that obsessive state whether it be about uh you know like uh, drugs or alcohol or like trust issues or like any 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 little thing that my brain can catch on to and be obsessed about. There's no connection. I'm not connected with anybody. I'm completely isolated because I'm alone in my head with this nonstop narrative that I can't break away from. So it's the loneliest place. Like I can't imagine. Like something pops into my head and then I'm I start obsessing about it. I can't stop. So therefore, I'm not, that is coming before any relationships I have with any other people around. So I'm completely mm-hmm. isolated in that thing. And so therefore, the opposite of addiction is connection. Because if I'm connected to others, I'm not trapped in my own thoughts and I'm connected to others. So that to me translates into stand-up in that like I really find the difference between like an amateur and like professional comedian like you know um 
like an open mic brand new person who's just trying and is very in their head and they're trying to deliver the jokes, you know, when you're new. Um, and somebody who's mm-hmm. comfortable and seasoned is that connection with the audience. You're not just delivering jokes to people. You're actually making a connection and performing and you're, you're like, you know, you're connected. You're, you're in the moment with the audience. You're able to like pop out of a joke and pop back into a joke because you remember what you're talking about because you're just having fun and you're not thinking about the next thing that you're going to say. You're, you're, and you, you're just there in the moment, present, connected. And like, that's always when I have my best sets when I'm in that, that, that flow state. And that can't happen. It cannot happen if I'm, if I'm not connected. And so if I'm drinking and on stage, if I'm drinking, I'm not connected to people. It's, I don't believe that you can be connected on that level while you're intoxicated. I don't think anyone can. I think you might think you are, but I, like, it just, there's no, it's not the same thing. And, 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 and so if I'm drinking, I'm, I lose that connection with the audience and now I'm just delivering jokes and it might go fine and it might appear fine to the audience. Like I'll have like a people, I've had people say to me, Oh, your set was great. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was terrible. They're like, well, you did good. And it's like, yeah, but I wasn't present. It wasn't fun. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. having fun. Do you know what I mean? So like for me, it's not a good set unless I'm having fun, even if it goes well. Like, you know, I, I still want to be having it. And uh, that's actually a great point because. Cause like you can, um, people like can be like under a horrible addiction, but they seem fine on the outside. Right. And like, they might seem to be doing their work or whatever their thing is like very, very well, but you're right. They're not connected. And like, so they're, it's, they're not getting that fulfillment from whatever they're doing, which in turn over time, that's going to like weigh down on a person and it's going to come to a point where they're going to crack or something's going to happen. And, um, yeah, and that's where you like. Hopefully, at at that point, they can come into a more of a recovery phase. Mm-hmm. But you never know; like, it can go down the other route as well, yeah, right? And the fulfillment uh, word is a good word right there because uh, that comes back to the motives of why I'm doing why I'm doing stand up or why I'm podcasting or why I'm doing any of those things. It's like I'm never going to be fulfilled if I'm doing it for any other reason of that like that. I love it. It's nice to get paid, also. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean. But, but I feel like if you if I start out doing it because I love it and just because I want to make something good, like this is like what we talk about with the podcast network, with the with, with which is what we're doing now, uh, the Comedy Here Office Podcast Network is I've been hired as the director. We've been, you know, uh, myself and uh, Alexi Johnson who works here and and Jonathan Simkin have been building that up from the ground and uh, you know um, and Kevy as well. So. That, I mean, we didn't come into that being like, well, here's this thing. We're starting out. We all are rich now. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's nice to make money, but we have to know that we're doing it because it's like a a bigger, cooler, awesome thing that doesn't exist in Canada is this comedy podcast network doesn't really exist. So we need, we want to do it because, hey, this is a good idea. Let's make cool shit. But but, I mean, it's kind of like if we go in there and be like, hey, let's go make money. The motive isn't is there isn't there to like like you lose the you for me you lose the piece where you're wanting to make it good for the right reasons. If I want to make something good for the right reasons, the money will come as part of it. It's, it's like kind of hard mm-hmm. to explain. It, but it, it, well, it's it's kind of like how you were saying before. Um, 
when you had those opportunities like with the the Seth Meyers mm-hmm. show like you would uh you, you what you would rather do is like almost go and get drunk and tell yeah. your friends like hey look at this then actually sit down and do the thing like uh you're you're getting more you what you're like trying to doing is for superficial like hey look at what i got and like rather than like sit down and actually get uh get the good fulfillment from actually doing it and like loving what yes, you're doing exactly right? like like i'm getting that instant gratification of telling people how cool i am but i'm not getting like the longevity of like you know the the feeling of having arrived in my own in my own skin in a career that i love and want it's like, you know, I, but mm-hmm. I never experienced um, that. I never experienced that feeling of like, um, of uh, like de- deserved reward because everything I did was sort of manipulated and schemed. Like every, every, every everything I did was, yeah, manipulated and schemed. Because like, I, I always felt like I needed to trick my way into good things. You know what I mean? Because I, and largely that comes from a place of just not feeling like I'm not enough. I don't deserve enough. I'm not, I, I don't have that piece of like self worth, which is another thing that's very common in addicts and alcoholics. And, you know, we talk about that a lot. It's like, it starts when I'm a little kid, you know, it starts way before I ever pick up uh, a drink. You know, it starts when I'm a little kid and for whatever reason, I'm just born that way. Like I, I, you know, I think there's lots of, everybody has trauma and the trauma happens along the way. But as far back as I can remember, I, I never really had like a sense of self. It was like this desperate need to pull from the outside to give myself value, even as like a little guy, you know, I, I always felt, and like, I think that we see what we reflect. So I think that like, if I'm like, if I don't see, that I have self-worth, then I can't see why someone else would think I have self-worth. So I feel like I need to trick mm-hmm. people into liking me. You know what I mean? So then mm-hmm. that leads this, uh, this like really sad little kid, man, who like needs to be presenting all the time. Like needs to be like uh, manipulating and lying to like get people, like, you know, exaggerating. It's like, I'm giving you a resume of, uh, of like my credentials in order for you to be my friend and like love me. And that's how the addiction starts, right? And then, you know, you start doing that as a young, at a young age, 30 years later, you're a master at it. It's so built into you. That's just who you are as a person. And you're not a person. Like I didn't even, I'm just getting to know myself in the last few years. Like I feel like I just was always trying to be whatever, whoever I was around me thought I should be. But like through my own eyes, like I'm arbitrarily deciding what I think those people think I should be and then trying to be that rather than just being myself, which is so crazy, dude. Like it's such an insane way to live. But like if you're ever wondering what addiction looks like and like alcoholism, like what it looks like without the booze, before the booze, that's what it looks like. You know, and then when you find that booze Mm -hmm. and the drugs and the partying, it's like, holy shit, that's my personality. I'm the guy who's fun. I'm the guy who's partying. I'm the funny dude. It makes everybody laugh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, it all goes, it all, it just all fits perfectly into that situation. That's why people who, you know, they say it's hereditary. It's not like, I'm not born addicted to drugs and alcohol. It's just that I have this precondition, whereas when I do arrive at that place with the drugs and alcohol, I don't have a fucking chance. Because it all just fits perfectly into that narrative of, like, I don't know who I am. I need, I need something to be my personality. 
It's like party guy. It's it's so common across alcoholics and addicts. That that to me is what addiction looks like. Um, yeah, and 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 I I don't have those issues nearly as much today. Like it's just not. I don't operate like that anymore. I'm getting to know who I am, and I'm getting more comfortable with like you know having serious conversations and like. Um, setting boundaries for myself and, and, and just like being comfortable, yeah, just being comfortable in my own skin. Hey man, uh, no, that's uh, pretty impressive. Um, have you ever read the book Lost Connections? Yeah, you should check that book out because it's it's basically uh it's it's about uh addiction for the most part and uh it, it like you were saying like uh addiction and the opposite is connection it basically goes down oh, that cool. route and it like talks about different uh so like uh, yeah being present a connection to the present moment a connection to yourself a connection with other people like these are the connections that we're losing and almost as a society and that's why it leads people to more addictive behavior and um like you were saying like uh how you kind of have like you never really had that connection to your like um actual mm-hmm. self like uh when you lose that connection and honestly the one thing you especially when we look at social media it's kind of like that's kind of like an exaggerated form of this kind of like people like are trying to put like a fake self yeah. out there all the time and they kind of lose connection with like who they really are and like they always present themselves into the world as a kind of a fake self like that could be very detrimental to a person's well-being over time because you really lose like who the hell you are um like who you really are like when you lose that connection that can be devastating yeah man and it's it's social media is like a huge issue for me <clears throat> and i think a lot of people i think a lot of people are i think a lot of people are uh addicts like i feel like you can be an alcoholic without drinking it's not like it's any it's any anytime i'm like obsessed with like putting something ahead of my own well-being, my own, like, anything that I'm missing my own life for because I can't help but to, like, because I can't help it. Like, I don't want to, but, like, I'm doing it anyway. Um, I am way, way, again, way better than I used to be, but, like, tweets. I would, like, tweet something and then just be constantly checking it to see how many likes I got. And, like, I still do it, but not like before. Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) I, I used to check it non-stop like I couldn't even have conversations with people I'm not like present at all I'm not around I'm just staring at this thing all day and just thinking about it all day and you know I see it in a lot of people for sure um when you're talking to somebody and their phone just like slowly comes up in front of their face and they're just like scrolling <laughs> and I still do it sometimes it still happens I mean it's really our brains I don't think are like shouldn't be interacting with uh this thing that we're interacting with on the level that we are it's really scary dude you know where I think a lot of people are doing their best, but I do think a lot of people are aware of it. And I know that I do better when I take breaks from my phone. Like, uh, but it's very much so. And I think the biggest addiction in to me that is not drugs and alcohol that people are addicted to that we don't even think about is um, is codependency. Um, I think uh, in like relationships and things like that. And and I think that's like the biggest one because it's also. I mean, how many friends do you have and how many times have you probably met somebody and gone to like, as I call it, girlfriend island where you just like lose contact with all your friends and all that matters is that other person and like you lose yourself in that. And I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I still have issues with that. Like, you know, I'll admit it. I think that everybody does and I have to make sure I'm checking in with myself and, and, and making, making sure that I'm like, you know, 
st- like staying on top of my stuff and, and worrying about my own things. I can get it's like I can get really obsessive, man. It's really difficult, like just living life as an addict and and like having that fucking monster that lives inside of you that obsesses and compulses, compulses. Is that right? I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, it's like it lives in there and it can attach onto anything, and it's it's really sometimes it's. I, I fucking exhaust myself, but it's constantly having to check back in. The biggest thing for me is just check those motives. Why are you thinking the things you're thinking? What are you saying? How is it helpful? Is it useful? Is it truthful? You know, what, like, cause of my own brain is going to be my enemy and I can trick myself into like getting myself into big trouble in lots of different ways. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can get, I definitely get, can get lost in other people. I can get lost in anything, man. Food. I can go down into like, dark spirals with like oh like i live right near victoria here uh like a really good burger place like good pizza place and an awesome barbecue joint and i can just go into like these cycles where i'm just eating at those three places over and over again and i stop going to the gym and then i'm just like it's dark and then i realize i'm like oh my god like, i'm anxious all the time i'm sad all the time it's not good and it's because i'm not present it's because i'm using those things as an escape and i can do that in relationships too and i can be like man i'm fucking anxious oh it's because i'm obsessing over this other person and what they're doing it's like fucking person live mm-hmm. life and just go live yours. But like you know, I gotta live. I I gotta like. This is the, the spiritual side of things for me. Uh, in in that I've that is such a huge part of my recovery is is the spiritual side of like. Um, I I use the word God. I do use the word God, and I'm not a religious person by any means. Uh, the only time I go to church is when I'm going to 12 step meetings and it's usually in the basement. <laughs> um, I'm not a, so I'm not, I'm not a religious person, but, but I do believe in a power greater than myself. And I don't mean that in a way of like, I think that there's like something looking out for me and pulling the strings and putting things in front of me. Or, I, I don't see it like that. I just see it as a power greater than myself. And that power is, whatever this is, this existential existence we have. So this space between me and you, this like the fact that I'm a meat sack filled with bones and I don't make sense. Do you know what I mean? It's like that whole thing. So how can I possibly control the weather? Uh, what other people do, what like people, places and things it's people, places and things. And I need to try not to control those things. And what I need to do is constantly every day. And I mean every single day, because it only takes a second for this shit to get away from me is to, uh, like, just be constantly sorting what is mine to control and what is not. And so if I, as long as I better job, I'm never going to be perfect, but progress, not perfection, but it's like, you know, whatever I can, whenever I'm closer, the closer I am to controlling what I can control, which is my responsibility, which is my emotions, my feelings, um, you know, my tasks, that I need to get done in a day. Those are the only things I really need to control. I don't need to control another person. I don't need to control this restaurant that's closing at eight o'clock tonight. And I'm mad now because I can't go. Like it's, it's not, those things are, I just have to let all those things go. And it takes so much practice and patience. And like, it's just it's such an ongoing thing, but like that is my purpose in life is to like sort through those things. And the more I can focus on what I can control and let go of the rest and, you know, turn that over to God, as, as I say, the, the better off I am and the easier my life is. And I'm not carrying around all this other shit. And it doesn't, it me- makes it so I don't have to scheme and scam and like manipulate because I'm just like looking after whatever I need to because I don't need to lie to myself to look after my shit, right? Uh, I just do it. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, some days are good, some days are bad. It's an ongoing thing, you know. And uh, uh bad. Uh, I like that. Uh, like, uh, you have to figure out what you can control. This is like, I love it because it's like a very stoic philosophy. It's a very Eastern philosophy as yeah. well, and it's something like I. Uh, like when I like uh, when you're meditating and kind of understanding like who you are, what you have control over. And once you understand the shit that you don't have control over and like you have to it's it, like you said, it takes a long time. But when you when you can kind of train your mind to understand like, hey, you do not have control over this shit. So stop like stop responding to it so harshly or giving that anxiety or whatever it is that like pops up when you can actually train your mind to do that it gives you so much more peace and uh it allows you also to understand what you can control you can control your behaviors you can control your actions like um and when you can uh, bring yourself back to that and like that understanding it brings a lot more peace into your For life sure. right and, like it's up to me to control how i react uh to my emotions which are largely you know my mind is a mind of its own i like to say and uh it's it, it but it but it gets easier it gets easier and like i, I it's cool that like I talked about this like in a, I was in a meeting last night a Tulsa meeting and i talked about this and it was about about choices about like how i have a choice now i didn't have a choice before when before i like got sober and started actually working on myself and looking at myself I just, my emotions controlled me. So, like, if I had a feeling, I'm like, I I had to, like, I had to act on it immediately because every feeling is, if, it's like every feeling is going to kill me. You know what I mean? And now I have a choice mm -hmm. where I can stop and be like, I don't have to re react to that right away. I don't have to. I can think about what it, not think about what I'm going to say so much, but think about, like, what the truth is. Uh, in the in the actual situation, as opposed to like what is what is what story my brain is telling, and like if I wait long enough without reacting, uh, the truth will come out. Or if I call somebody else and be like, "Hey, this is what's happening for me. Can I get another perspective on it?" Especially it's amazing. Like, oh my god, that's how like that's such a huge part of how I, I got sober and stayed sober is connection connecting with others and whenever i have whenever i'm feeling crazy whenever i'm feeling anxious whenever i'm feeling um just off to just call somebody and be like hey this is what's going on for me and then listening to that other person's perspective and instead of just being like i know no i know but you don't understand but this but this and this it's like no just listening yeah listening to the other perspective and, and understanding that your person understanding that my perspective can be wrong I was completely incapable of changing my perspective on something before. And now I'm fucking good at it. Quite good at it. Like I can change things right away and then have it and then and then have it not be an issue. Like I really can just see it's such a fucking gift. I can't even tell you because my it was not like that before. Like my life was not like that. It was I was a fucking mess, man. I was a wrecking ball of chaos. Like I just like my wherever my emotions are taking me, that's where I'm fucking going. And whatever I have to say, scheme, passively aggress passive aggressively bring up, like that's where we're going. And you're all fucking and you're all and coming on the fucking ride with me and it's gonna suck. Buckle up, yeah. fucker, like you know? And like how you were saying, like uh you couldn't like listen to somebody and actually like get their information they're telling you because in your head like 
um, cause I've done this too. Like in your head, you're like, no, I'm right. Like I know what's right, but you can't like shut up and listen to somebody. And that's kind of brings you back to that connection yeah. thing, right? Like if you're going to connect with somebody, you have to actually listen to them and like take in what they're listening to, right? Or what they're, what they're telling you. Like you have to take it in and like actually be able to weigh what they're, what they're telling you and like saying like, is this true or yeah. not? And like the ability to change your perspective and be like, hey, maybe what this person person's telling me actually has some weight to them to it like to be able to change your perspective that that takes practice and like like you said that's a yeah. gift when you learn when you can learn to do that like how much change that can bring into your life because now you understand that you don't you don't know fucking anything like you hey we none of us really know that much like we should be able to take in different ideas different um things from different people and be able to like change your perspective as life goes on right yeah, man, it's, it, it's, 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 it comes from this place of, like, empathy and trying to understand, like, just stopping and getting outside of myself and understanding where that other person is coming from and what their experience is and why they might think like they do and why, why they're having the feelings that they do. And if I can understand them, then I can change my perspective. I just have to be able to understand and say it might take me more than one try and, like, but but yeah, it really it really helps, man. It really helps to be able to slow down and not be so fucking reactive. And and I definitely owe that to twelve step programs for sure. So um, it, it, yeah, it's it's cool to like be able to to understand. You know the thing about the the thing about feelings. I, I had this a person said this to me once, and I just found it to be super profound. Uh, she said, you know, it's not that I feel like I have to be happy all the time. It's that I feel like I have to be in control of my feelings. So, like, my brain works in this way where it just has – if there's anything outside of myself that changes the way that I feel, I'll lean into it that way. Like, if something is bad, like, if I'm feeling bad, like, just not terrible, but, like, not good. Like, if I'm sad or something or, like, or, or something that somebody has said uh, isn't sitting right with whatever my narrative is – I will like make it worse because I'm not in control of it kind of being, you know, not good, but I can be in control of it if I fucking burn it to the ground. So, you know, like, you know, uh, so yeah, if something's bad, I'll make it worse. And so my brain will just start pulling out other bits of weird evidence that I gather, that it gathers and like, uh, whatever else and pile into this narrative so that it all fits. And I think largely that comes from fear and like trying to make, things on the outside match the way that I feel on the inside, you know? And so, mm -hmm. well, if this is, if this thing is sad, then everyone's it must be out to get me because it's not my fault. You know, I'm not responsible for my own feelings. Like it's, it's really, really insane. Like learning all these different defense mechanisms and like survival tactics my brain has, like, you know, like something, and, and it goes both ways too. Like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, I'm happy. I got offered to ride a packet for seven miles. I should go out and get fucked up for three days to celebrate it because, you know, I'm feeling good, but wouldn't it be better if I felt great? Do you know? It's like the same thing. And it's, it's wild. And all this stuff is really cool because it's, it's so new to me. Like, I look at myself. I've only been sober for three years. I've only thought about any of this stuff for, like, three years. So I'm really excited to see where it goes as I keep going and keep working on this stuff and keep doing, like, um, my like keep doing 12 steps and you know, continuing to learn all these lessons and because they, like, the the transformation has been vast. 
like like I, like I truly operate like a different like I I I'm me like like you know I, I I've it feels good man like it feels good to like know that I'm capable of all this stuff of even looking at it and it's just so early on so far mm-hmm. to go I, I can't wait to see what what more I learn but yeah I don't know I can't do any yeah, of that man. stuff if I'm drinking. If I'm drinking, I don't deal with any of this stuff because at some point I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm either gonna be hungover or I'm gonna be going out to get drunk or I'll be drunk or like, it just I just can't. They don't go together. I can't. And I just love, I love yeah. this life so much more than what I had before. Like it's just not close. I, I just I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm fucking proud of you, buddy. That's uh, such a like it's a huge uh, it's a huge uh, achievement, man. And uh, yeah, like uh, like you said uh, that, and I like you like what you're uh, talking about is such a stoic philosophy and meditation philosophy, mm. and it's like understanding that like the real suffering that happens is not coming from the external world. What it's coming from is your oh, reaction yeah. to the For external sure, world, and like it's it's a really it it takes practice to get that understanding that like you know like rather when you something like an anger or like a sadness pops up into you like you can react to that um with them your mind can react to it and make it so much worse but when you can learn when you learn like meditative qualities of just like being able to accept it and be like hey i'm actually having some anger arise in me right now and like i can accept that and just observe that anger you can actually uh, learn to deal with this stuff a lot better and a lot more in a more healthier ways. And that brings so much more peace in your life. And, uh, yeah. And I, I love how you're uh, doing this. So at this point of the podcast, I usually ask the question, God, yay or nay, but I think you kind of gave a little bit of an answer to that. Do you, do you want to expand? Yeah, sure. I think it's, uh, I think it's, I, I find that it's like, I don't see how anybody can deny that there is something greater than ourselves in that, I mean, if you break it down, nothing makes sense. None of this makes sense. Like, what even are we? Where are we going? When did this start? Is time even linear? Like, none of this is like, it, it doesn't, there's, we have all these things that we've figured out through science or whatever else, but like, I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. I, that, my whole, my whole thing is like, is not, not knowing and being okay with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, just not knowing what happens to me after I die or, like, what space is or how we got here or any of that stuff. And just trying to, trying to get lost in the wonderment of it. And just, like, you can, I think in, in, uh, in staying in that thinking, it helps to be able it helps with finding beauty in the world, no matter what you're looking at. Even, like, a man-made thing, you can be like, wow, we made this. This is incredible. And, like, every single, um, component of every man-made thing is incredible. Like it's it's all just incredible. Like I'm just happy to be here. Like it gets me into this place of gratitude where I'm like, I am just happy to live in in God, in this experiment, in whatever you want to fucking call it. I decided to start calling it God because I felt like I was holding back by not saying that. I felt like uh, I mm. felt like I was kind of bullshitting myself. Like I was I needed to get over myself. So I started saying the word God just to be like, you know what, dude, just, it's okay. It's okay to use that word. It, it means many different things to many different people. And like, it's really helped a lot with like letting go and being less worried about people judging me. Like, I don't really give a shit if you have a problem with saying God or not. Like, it's, 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 
but I don't feel like I need to make excuses for myself in that way anymore, which is cool. And, and so the more I, tr- I, I can stay uh, grateful for being here, the better. I have this mantra I say when I, when I do meditations. Uh, I also do prayer as well. Um, um, but I have this thing that I like to say as part of my prayer where I, I will say to myself, life is um, a series of fleeting moments. And the trick is to find beauty in the fragility of the experience. And so, nice. you know, if I can look at the fact that, like, I could go at any second, the odds of me being here are so impossible. And, like, I, you know, no matter what, I can, no matter what is happening to me, no matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter what, I still got to be here and experience whatever this is. And I can be grateful for that. And even when I'm gone, I still got to have it. And I don't necessarily have to remember it or anything else. I can just appreciate it right now, right here in the moment. And like, you know, it's fucking hard to get to that place because our brains are so powerful and want to fucking not be in that place because that place is scary. You know, that's where the fear all comes from, that place of like, I'm not, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die, blah, blah, blah. It's like the survival mechanisms start there and they build out, 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 out of these, you know, colossal distraction, planes, like planes of distraction. You know, there's so many levels to them. But when I boil it down to that place, I'm just being like, hey, I get to experience this. I got to see this. This is beautiful. Then nothing can touch me. Have you ever, I got a book recommendation for you. You probably already read this, but, um, have you read uh, Mankind's Search for Meaning? I think that's what it's called by Viktor Frankl. That's, uh, yeah, no, that's on my reading list, so I have it's not. It's doozy. Yet. If you can find meaning while living in Auschwitz, you can find meaning anywhere. So go ahead and read that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that book is a big deal for me. So, uh, yeah, that's, I think about that a lot, about what people went through in the concentration camps and how, like, you know, how, not, not, hey, you have it good here, but it's just like, People in there can find meaning and just like even just looking around and being like, it's beautiful that I got to experience this. That's like, it means a lot to me. The way that I've, uh, you know, that I have recovered is through this uh, spiritual realm of, of gratitude and like becoming self, trying to become self aware and, and, and looking at the root of all these problems of like looking at the fears and resentments and all that stuff that's built up from like, from those years of not knowing who I am, like that is how I've quit drinking is by, 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 you know, understanding that the alcohol and the drugs are like, that I'm powerless over. I'm powerless over those things. I can't have one because one is too many and a thousand is never enough. So I can't have one because if I have one, I go into that place of like full escape and I'm escaping from my own life. And so instead of trying to escape from my own life. I'm trying to build a life I don't feel like I need to escape from. So that, that it, it becomes the motive in that when things get so desperate that I'm like, hey, I need help. And I reach out, ask for help. And I start going to meetings and shit. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's how I got pulled out by admitting that I'm powerless. Uh, I think an important thing when dealing with others is to remember that people are not inherently bad. People are not out to get us. We're not out to get one another. Everybody is acting on these fear, survival planes, um, whatever they may be. And so, you know, we're going to get defensive and we're going to try to, like, uh, we're, we're afraid that people are trying to take stuff from us or, like, trying to, like, you know, um, it's like, it's, 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 if you pull it back far enough, it's like the fear of death, you know? And so, 
everyone's just trying to survive. And so I think if we can look at each other compassionately with that lens, life gets a lot easier for everybody. So, you know, try mm -hmm. to, I think it's good to try to understand that, that, that people's motives are, are, they're just, they're just doing their best and trying to like fucking manage their own feelings, which are, is so fucking difficult. So, there's, yeah. So, uh, when you, uh, when like if somebody's like uh, dealing with this kind of uh problems right now like your advice is kind of like ask for help or like what's your advice ask for that for help you know if you if you are suffering from drugs and like you know from addiction to drugs and alcohol and you're trying to manage it yourself i think often people don't realize uh what being an alcoholic means or an addict that drug addict means i think that they think that they're not one unless they're living on the street um you know or using every day, but that's not the case. It's it's about unmanageability. It's about are you putting those drugs and those alcohol above, in front of work or your family or your own well-being? Are you, like, not able to, like, is your life unmanageable? If your life is unmanageable and you're drinking a lot, I mean, there's probably a good chance that you might have an issue. And, like, rather than trying to control it on yourself, it's really easy to just reach out. Like, someone like me, I'm listening. Anybody who is in a 12-step program wants to fucking hear from me. We want to help. Like, helping you helps me. We have a saying in recovery that is, uh, I only get to have, I only get to keep what I have by giving it away. Meaning, somebody was there when I asked for help. So I need to be there when someone else asks for help. And when, when I'm talking to somebody who's brand new and, like, it takes me back to where I was when I was brand new and I get to relive that and like start over again. It's like a little refresher. That's a really cool thing about recovery is that you get to stop whenever you want. You can stop drinking and doing drugs. You don't have to drink today. You don't have to use drugs today. You can reach out and you just don't have to do it today. That's why they say one day at a time. It's like, it's not, hey, I can't do drugs anymore. It's, I don't have to, right? Like I'm free from them. It's a fucking prison, and and I, yeah, I just think people don't understand what a problem looks like, and, and and there's no shame in just asking somebody for help. There's no shame in just asking, hey, do you think I might have a problem? You don't even have to commit to anything. It's okay just to ask. Just because you ask doesn't mean that like uh, it's over for you and you no longer can drink. It's okay to just check in and be like, hey, what do you think? Mm -hmm. You know, and like that's the cool thing about these recovery programs too is that there's no pressure like I, there's no like there was never anyone who told me i had to do a certain thing or do this or do that i just i did it because i wanted to stop um and it's just so difficult to do on your own like you're just like so isolated and, and your brain is so powerful and it will convince me if i do it on my own my brain will eventually convince me different yeah that's my biggest thing just don't do it whatever whatever, whatever it looks like just tell people tell people around you that you have a problem I guarantee you, you will be judged less than you think you will be. Thanks so much, buddy. That's, uh, no, honestly, that's, uh, really helpful for people. And this was like, I love this conversation. Uh, this is something I really do appreciate. And, uh, yeah, that like taught transforming yourself and like this transformation that you've had, like, it's amazing to hear about. And, um, I hope people like, well, I know people are going to take a lot of uh, value from this conversation. Uh, all right, buddy, like, uh, tell people uh, where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, uh, tell people about the, comedy here often yeah, podcast yeah. network and uh your podcast you do with your yeah, sister okay. you can find me on the internet at drunken high guy 69 at twitter.com <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <obviously, laughs> just kidding about that um we have um, 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LazerDove, L-A-Z-E-R-D-O-O-V. I spelled uh, laser wrong by accident. It's a fun fact about my online persona. Um, yeah, uh, our podcast is called The Hate Locker. It's a podcast with my sister and I. Uh, we talk about things, the everyday trivial stuff that everybody loves to hate and passionate yet fair vigor. Um, we just cracked the top 100 comedy podcasts in Canada. Uh, it's only great. We have some really exciting guests coming up. Uh, we have uh, American comedian uh, and comedy writer Rob Fee is recording with us this week. We have Jonathan Torrens coming on, and we have someone I think with Graham Clark coming up too. So yeah, lots of lots of fun stuff. Oh, we've also got uh, Samantha Watson is coming on the podcast in the next in the next month. DJ Samantha Rock. <laughs> it's kind of random and fun. Sweet. So yeah, man, it, it, it's great. I mean, we're all part of the same podcast network you're a part of uh the comedy here often podcast which is mm-hmm. canada's biggest comedy podcast network we currently have 15 podcasts on um you can check it out on our website comedyhereoften.com um you can listen to all our pods uh I, one i really like right now that i've been shouting on a lot is uh, so you ruined the party again with randy newmeyer and bobby werner where they just talk with comedians about times that People ruined a party. It's really fun. Their banter, their back and forth is great. Their chemistry is awesome. They're super good. Um, nice. Yeah. And uh, of course, our flagship podcast with uh, Kebby and Alexi is great as well. Yeah, buddy. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, Dan. Dude, it has been my pleasure. All right. That was this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. It really does help. And also check me out on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, it's at Newer Kidwai. On Facebook, it's Newer Kidwai Comedian. I'm constantly putting updates about the podcast when new ones come out. I put up podcast clips. And uh, yeah, I also put up comedy stuff, comedy dates, comedy clips, and different stuff like that. So uh, you can come check out, have a laugh, and get keep up to date on the podcast. Until next time, this is another episode of God Yay or Nay.